Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I had a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Um, and saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. That OG real dream. Here we go again. Guess what day it is? It's Wednesday. <laughs> it's Whitetail Legacy Wednesday coming at ya. I hadn't done that coming at you in a while. Oh, yeah. Kicking it back old school. Uh, here we go. We got John on from Kentucky, crushing early season buck. Uh, he's three years in a row right now before the 19th of September, right? Uh, no, he shot that one the 29th of September. 29th. Okay. Yeah, I got my nines so, mixed up. But in September. Okay. Yes. Uh, 150-something, a 177, and a 160s, back to back to back in early season. This guy's got it going on. He knows what to do. He goes over that early season Kentucky that is so intriguing to us, and uh, I learn a lot here. Yeah. If we ever do go to Kentucky and try it out, I uh, will definitely be using some of these techniques. Or even if a season opens up like the 15th, like Missouri, we could definitely use some of those techniques down there. Um, I'm going to get in with our partners real quick. We're going to start off with a VIP veteran broadhead. Uh, I got to talk to him today. He's got a lot of stuff going down right now. Um I mean, he's inventing, he's distributing, he's got a lot of stuff going on. So there's, it's, I'm really excited that we're part of that family right now. Um, we're going to be tied in soon with other people from the VIP family and, and get to share it with you guys on here. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to hit you with a really special uh, VIP veteran shout-out to today. Um, this is from Twitter. 
I'm getting some VIP shout-outs from Twitter now. Nice. So that's pretty sweet. Um, this is from Forensic Whitetail. If you guys are on Twitter, this guy is incredibly knowledge knowledgeable. I mean, he if you ask a question, he has picture or video proof of something and how it happened. It's just insane. Um, but this is his son. Um, it's at Ben Micho, and uh, he is an... Uh, second lieutenant of the United States Marine Corps, and he sent a bunch of picks. Hopefully, we can tag one of these picks with a VIP shout out. Is that something we can do, tech guy? What do you want to do? Tag, tag a, a pick, pick with a VIP shout out. Can we do that? Ooh, ooh, going next level on me, bro. Well, we're gonna try, but just a big shout out to Ben. Um, Thank you for your service, man. It looks like you're crushing bass, turkeys, and deer and serving the country all together. So, and uh, we can't thank you enough from us, the VIP family, and everybody at the Whitetail Legacy Podcast crew, which is just me and homie. We act like there's like, there's <laughs> we a act whole, like we got 12 people we got in the like, back office. We got like nine interns in the back <laughs> office that all they do is just sell t shirts and, <laughs> and, and rep stuff. But yeah, uh, and again, follow Forensic Whitetail. We hope to have him on coming soon that is going to be a super knowledgeable episode i cannot wait for that uh let's get into scent lock did you you had a flyer that you wanted to go over no i think we're i think we're done we're done with the flyer okay yeah so we we covered the socks right you got a pair of the socks on i do have a pair of the socks so we covered the socks how are the socks feeling dude they are they're nice they're really nice they're really nice yeah um good stretchable you know they're not like a pain in the ass to get on yeah they just go right on um keeping your feet nice and cool have you done a smell check yet i've not done a smell (laughs) check however i've been uh here keeping my feet warm in front of the heater yeah i know and uh as it it went south yeah my feet aren't sweating in these rubber boots in this room (laughs) i'll tell you that right now So, yeah, check out Scentlock. They just really released a whole line of socks. Um, I'm excited to get a couple of pairs and try them out. Yeah, you got to. And uh, see what it's all about. I know they've been going kind of crazy on social media right now. ECW Calls. We just did a giveaway on Twitter. If you guys aren't on our Twitter, you're missing out. No, bro, that was like three weeks ago. On the giveaway. Well, this is the first time they heard about it. Oh, it was? Yeah, I haven't said it on a podcast before. I thought we <laughs> Yeah. No, we just on we did a giveaway on Twitter three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> and you guys missed out is what I'm saying. <laughs> and we gave away some ECW turkey calls. Um homie's gonna go with the triple threat this year. Yes. I'm gonna go with the the what's the double sided one called? Um we're gonna call it the double threat right now. <laughs> it's a slate and glass combo. Gonna have uh both both no, the slate's not in gets the glasses. Yes. Etch with our logo. Right. If you guys want a turkey call from ECW, uh, hit us up. You want a grunt tube, custom grave, hit us up. We'll put the connections to to get you to Jeff and get whatever you want. Handmade by a veteran in America. And Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. Uh, are, are you going to take a turkey to him this year? or what? Is, what I, is hope, I, I really plan on it. Um, when this releases, it's going to be close. It's down in my budget. It's down gotta, in, gotta it's get in your turkey budget. To Ingram. Yep. I'm going to do one of those Indian mounts that I'm talking about. That's sick. Uh, Still haven't shown me the picture, but yeah, okay. I, know. I need to show you that picture. I'll get on that. But I've yeah. heard that. I've listened to that intro about mm, five times. Still have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you the pics. But anyways, I'm going to do that, and then uh, hopefully you get a turkey down. You can take it to him. Yeah. 
this this that clean fan spur combo that he does it looks nice reasonable price and uh something that you can just remember turkey wise if you don't want to go full body but there might be some something coming down the line for him where that might be an option mm. coming soon possibly that's all the partners right i think so man we freaking we're getting good at this yeah, yeah. all right here is john um if you don't think he knows anything about deer hunting, you're going to have a good time just by laughing with him and with us. So <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be knowledge and entertainment. I can guarantee that. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got John on. What is your last name, John? Workman. Oh, yeah. Workman. Yeah, I got that on <laughs> really? Facebook. I got really? that on Facebook. Yeah. That's a solid last that. name. Yeah. Workman. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that I here mean, momentarily. Solid guy. Okay, last name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So we, we met on Twitter, what, maybe like a month ago or so? Yeah, maybe a couple months ago. Yeah, man. And, and you've been following us on there and... I reached out. Oh, yeah, it was quite a while. I reached out, and then our schedule was kind of messed up about getting you on. And uh, yeah. you've been just getting it done early season like a champ, man. I, you got you got it figured out. So we wanted to get you on here and uh, do a little BS session with a little bit of uh, early season knowledge combined. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that uh, sounds great to me, boys. I talk deer hunting anytime. So where exactly do you live? I live in Boyd County. It's in Kentucky. I live in the if you if you just picture it, I live where Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia meet. Oh, nice! Oh, so damn, far, way out there. Yeah, yeah. I live in the far northeast corner. Is it? it it's pretty mountainous there, or hilly there, or? Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not super steep. Uh, once you get down towards the southeastern part, then you get into the big mountains. But yes, it is hilly here. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's grueling at times. Nice. So, how, how long you been hunting, and how'd you get started into it? Well, uh, my dad hunted. Uh, my my family hunted. Uh, I grew up, uh, started squirrel hunting, you know, rabbit hunting, that kind of stuff. Uh, my dad, of course, back 20, well, 30 years ago or so, you know, most, of, most people hunted for meat. And uh, dad introduced me to hunting in Kentucky. You couldn't start then until you were like 11 or 12, so... I would say 28 years, you know, that would, uh, I'm 40 now. So that would be, uh, that would put me 12 when I first started. Nice. What's your day job? This <laughs> 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 well, yeah. is where the workman part comes here, in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I'm a locomotive engineer. I, I drive trains, bro. Nice. We fix I the tracks and you all. drive the trains. I say you break it, we yeah. fix it. Yeah. That's why I say. I tear up what you all fix. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You meet someone that you know is in the same trade as you, and you have no idea. And that's just a shout out to Twitter. If you guys don't follow us on Twitter, the listeners, you need to follow John and you need to follow us because John's spitting knowledge all the time plus jokes. So you can't beat that. <laughs> and we say something funny almost every day and sometime knowledgeable. You get like one ounce of knowledge a week from us. Just about like this podcast. Yeah, it's about like this podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you want entertainment, hey, you know, follow us. If you want knowledge, follow John. <laughs> Yeah, I don't don't follow me for knowledge. <laughs> I have fun with Twitter, you know. It's, oh yeah, uh, it, I, I I never used Twitter, and I started using it and found hunting group on there. Basically, it, you know, like you said, everybody. If you get inside our group, you know what is there about two hundred of us or so, maybe. Yeah. 
and, and everybody's a lot of fun to talk to. Nobody puts each other down. It's I like it. I, I like those that group of people. Yeah, it's a super solid group and a lot of knowledge and uh, a lot of a lot of different styles of hunting all combining in one. And and I I ask stupid questions every day to get people <laughs> riled up, but I I, I yeah. think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> But, yeah. but, but yeah, a couple days be, ago, I answer those things every day too. I yeah, I know you're a solid too. replier, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> but a couple of days ago, a couple of people went back and forth, and then the cool thing about it was, at the end of the day, everybody's like, "All right, I learned a bunch from you. I learned a bunch from you too. I can see both sides of it." And everybody walked away. Yeah, just cool. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. it's that group. You know, it's yeah, just solid. Yeah, that's what I like about it. You know, and like you said, of course, I don't know who all. There's a ton, you know, got Nebraska on there, uh, got, uh, of course, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky. I mean, we're scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. So everybody's hunting's different, you know. I mean, and I, I, I probably couldn't hunt a lick in Illinois, you know, because I've never done that. But in Kentucky here, uh, I've just learned it over the years. So, and this is like you all, you all couldn't come here and probably be very successful. Yeah, but, not uh, not for a while, I guarantee it. We, when we were driving through Kentucky, I was like, <laughs> right. man, I just don't know about this. I'm like, there ain't an acorn tree in sight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Where we were at, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin here. Where's an yeah, oak ridge see, at? Yeah, that. now see, you have the same type of lands I do then because, you know, we have a lot of oak ridges, of, you know, oaks and, nice. and stuff like that. You all drove, what, when, when you're talking about when you went to ATA? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you drove through farm country down there, didn't you? Yeah, and there's yeah, just, it's a just lot like, of like small, small wooded areas. Yeah, there's a lot no, of like a, no mature trees, maple and hedge and stuff like that. No, ma- really no mature thick. timber that we could see. Yeah. So yeah, see that's what I learned is of course you know working for the railroad. I go up to Columbus too, so I go through Deer City, USA, boys. I mean, I've seen some. I've seen the world record. I believe would be the world record. Uh, uh, he was a monster, but you know I look at those places and I think, man. I guess you just climb in one of those ditches and hang up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, what do you do? <laughs> I'm yeah. going to hold tight in this ditch. Yeah. Yeah. But you'd probably so, get it done. Yeah, you probably I mean, would, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. So yeah. you're... Yeah. Go ahead. So you're the... You're like the king of early season hunting, which is, is fascinating to us because you're hunting and tagging out before we even out there, man. Yeah. So we wanted to have you on and go over the early season. I know that uh, you guys have that early season, and uh, Eighth and Tyne hunted it this year, mm-hmm. and you guys had an early season even before you normally did, right? Well, uh, season comes in the same Saturday every month or every year. It comes in the first Saturday of September. First Saturday of September. So, yeah, so it just depends. You know, like this past season, I think it come in September first or second. Uh, this coming season, two thousand nineteen, I've already already looked it over. It comes in the seventh. You know, mm-hmm. so it just depends on when the Saturday falls. I but, see. Uh, kind of like our shotgun season then. It just depends on where the Saturday weekend falls. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's how it works. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy it. It's hot, but, man, I enjoy it. It's uh, it's totally different type of hunting. Yeah, I I could see that. So September 1st or first week, first Saturday, right? So, I mean, that's that's at least yeah. three weeks before we even oh, get yeah. to start. We're running cameras and, and finishing up food plots and stuff like that. But we're, we're normally staying out of the woods as much as we can around that point. You yeah. Know, and you're crushing in. So uh, I think I think I'm gonna learn a lot. This is gonna be cool. Like you said, you know, if we ever did get to, we were looking at the Kentucky out of state tag price, and it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. So we were like, man, you know, we might give it a shot one time. When we don't want to go to Missouri a year, we might go to yeah. you know Kentucky. So 
Well, Kentucky raised theirs because you know we do have the we did have the first elk herd east of the Mississippi River. Yeah. Uh, well, they implemented uh, and they reintroduced elk into to our state. Uh, obviously, a lot of out of staters, you know, would soon travel to Kentucky to to hunt as opposed to go to Colorado or whatever. So. They really raised our prices. Our prices used to be really low. I mean, like you're talking one twenty five, one thirty to wow. out of state, Kentucky. Yeah, but uh, I just I accidentally, honestly, the way I started hunting early season, it was an accident. Uh, there's about twenty acres behind my house, and uh, I just moved in over here. And I got a stepson. He's twelve now, but uh, he was what I don't know nine, eight, nine then. And my dogs were barking out back, you know, and I stepped out back to look and I seen, I seen a deer and it was just a little old basket rack, you know, buck. But I thought, you know, Jacob wants to get into this and, and I run a lot of trail cameras. So I thought, well, I'll go out here and hang a trail camera and I'll let Jacob take care of it. You know, this is your camera. I taught him how to use it, taught him how to open it, you know, everything, how to be sent, try to be sent free, trying to get to it or whatever. And uh, I pulled it the first time. And, uh, I was totally shocked. Uh, I had, uh, a very, very mature buck on it. And I was like, wow, this is kind of neat. So <laughs> I decided, I thought, well, I'll just give it a shot. So I went back in there and, uh, set me up a ground blind. Actually, I changed that a little bit. I was, had plans on hanging a tree stand and I couldn't find a place to hang a stand on opening day. So I left and went back and with the ground blind that afternoon and set it up and killed him on September the 15th. So it was probably 12 or so days in the season. I don't remember what season it came in, 16, but uh, that's how it all got started with me. Man, that's cool. I, I might steal that idea about giving a trail camera to your kid. I think that's a cool idea, you know really teaching them the fundamentals of you know scent control and how a camera act and formatting a card when you know when they get to that age you know 810 i wish someone set me down at 810 and was like this is how you run trail cams i'd be a yeah. way way above the game you know what i mean so yeah. that's a great tip well, man the bad thing though is is once i got a picture of that buck i kicked him out so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he probably couldn't hunt anyways yeah. he's too young i'd be the same way i'd be like now this is what a big buck looks like and yeah. now i'm gonna go shoot it <laughs> all right you did yeah. your job daddy's turn yeah yeah so, so so you put that ground blind in where did you end up shooting him on a field or where'd you end up shooting that buck at yeah i shot him on the edge of a, a clover i put some clover in a field and I shot him on the edge of a clover field. Nice. You hear that, Mark? Uh, he came out. <laughs> I, actually, uh, he was daylight in there. He would be there between 4 and 6.45 in the morning. And uh, he, uh, I didn't know what to do, so I got to thinking, you know, what, what, how am I going to get this deer? How am I going to get in there at daylight if he's there, you know? So I actually went and got my blind at 4 o'clock in the morning and sat there for almost three hours before daylight. Yeah, that's what it takes. And that's the beauty of trail cam is you're like, well, he might be here at four, so I better be in there before him, and then I'll just wait him out and hopefully he hangs out a little bit till shooting light. You know what I mean? So yeah, I got another, I got another tip that I use a lot too. Uh, I'll, I'll mention it a little bit later, but it, he's the one proved to me that it works because uh, I saw him the day before going in. I bumped him, but uh, I see. Uh, he 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 taught me 
how to to get a deer to come to you early season. All right. So so, so it's you're super successful not only finding deer but finding big deer early season. So how are you doing that? Uh, this there's a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of times I go off my past year. Uh, you know, like this year for instance uh, was a new piece of land that I'd never hunted. Uh, last year when I killed, uh, when I killed my booner, uh, I found him, he came in in December cause I feed, uh, not, not, not really year round, but I do, I, I try to keep my herd healthy. So like if the winter gets real bad, uh, then I will feed heavy because I'm trying to keep my deer healthy. Uh, and he actually came in in December and started feeding and I was like, wow, look at that thing, you know? So, uh, I just continued to just pour the feed to him and, uh, he kept coming and kept coming. And, you know, of course we've talked a lot about shed hunting stuff, you know, personally, but I don't shed hunt. I, I don't really have a whole lot of time because, you know, obviously the way I work, I, I have time really to hunt. So yeah, I don't use my vacation time to shed hunt or anything, mm-hmm. but I found one of his sheds. And it was my goal. I wanted his left side shed. It had 10 points on it that year. And I found it. Uh, somebody else found the right side. They won't give it to me. But anyways, uh, I just kept I just kept feeding. I just kept him. And I did everything I could possibly do to keep him around. I didn't want him to have any reason to leave before September. And uh, that's what I did with him. But now... <laughs> The easiest way I, you know, uh, Kyle and I do it together. My buddy Kyle, uh, he, he's, uh, I spend a lot of time with him. We do a lot of notebooking and, you know, planning and, but we do a lot of glass and bottoms. You know, we, we glass a lot, uh, open bottoms, trying to find something early. Uh, I run a lot of minerals in my, in the spring. I'll start them about March. Uh, and I'll run them because I run my minerals year round, but I refresh them three times a year. I try to do March and then, during the summer, depending on your deer population too, you know, how much traffic they're getting. Uh, I do a lot of food plotting. Uh, I like food plotting. It, it gives the deer reason to stay around all of them, not just, you know, certain ones, but, uh, and a lot of run a lot of feeders. Uh, like I said, just trying to keep my herd healthy, but, uh, cameras, I move my cameras constantly. Uh, what I found is a big buck, early season you know or, or during the summer they won't move a whole lot you know they uh, trying to stay cool you know obviously we know what the temperature's like can you imagine having hair all over you yeah so we we move around a lot you know we'll i mean we, even if it's just 100 yards you know you put a camera here you're not getting anything you move it you know and you just finally when you when you find that one deer you hone in on that area you just kind of cut everything else loose that's how we do it I can see that working good. We uh yeah. we kind of have that. It seems like there once you find them, you get a bunch of trail cam pictures of them in the summer, mm-hmm. and then you know they kind of fade off. But they don't their summer range for most bucks that there's not very much pressure. It's pretty really small. You know, what I mean, they're just yeah. water yeah, bed food, heard. water bed food. You know, I mean, that's literally yeah. all they're doing in the summer. So if they don't have to go a long way to get that, they're going to be there. Yeah, water is a big key in the summer. You know, uh, I think it's a bigger key in the rut, but uh, in the summer, you know, they, they, they're just trying to stay cool. That's all, you know, uh, their antlers are, from what everything I know of, I mean, I'm no, you know, biologist or anything, but they're kind of like a radiator. 
you know, with that blood flowing through them and stuff. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that. that. It's like yeah, wearing no, a scentlock beanie all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard you have a nice one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I uh, snagged that. Oh, wow. But, you know, sometimes your buddies leave stuff laying around. I know. know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, John, man, you know, Cody and I are in the same situation like you with, with, with that booner. Uh, we had a deer randomly show up in December, and, you know, you you're lucky enough to be able to entice him to stay around, you know, be like, all right, you know, you, you got water here. I'm going to feed you, you know, plenty of does around. I'll, I'll give you a food plot here and there. You know, us, all we got is like, hey, man, we're just going to stay out of the woods. You come in here and, you know, it's nice over <laughs> Do here. Do your thing, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Find yeah. this sweet bedding area. I just shot the biggest buck off the area. You're, you're the top dog now. Just yeah. kind of hang out. I would say, I mean, we don't have much we can really do, um, especially with that all, with that piece. Can you all not feed in the off season? We can't do anything, no, man. No minerals, no feeding. The only thing we do is food plots. Okay, I didn't know. I knew you couldn't feed during season, yeah. obviously, but I didn't know if you could feed in the off season. Nope, and uh, you know, we're just lucky to have a deer like that on trail cam in December. Yeah, um, we're hoping. Yeah. A lot of times, those winter bucks. You know, they, I've had them where they're gone. They only come in the winter, and then I've had them where they stay. So we'll just see what this one does. Um, he's a giant. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll send you some pics after after the show. Right. But uh, just send me GPS coordinates. Where you're at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's about, it's past the third tree. Take a left, cross the creek, find the stand that's five foot off the ground. That's where you need to be. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like. I'm scared of heights, you know. I like <laughs> All right, if you really went to the stand the way that we accessed it this year <laughs> yeah. to get to it, oh, dude. you'd be like, I'm a, I'm an American gladiator right now. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. I probably wouldn't go then. <laughs> dude, it, it's literally maybe 110 yards, and I, I stopped three times to catch my breath getting to it. I mean, it is just wild. Yeah, we we have to deal with that. That's the good thing about or the hard thing about hunting Kentucky. You're the good thing, you know. We do have a lot of hills, so you're lazy hunters. You know, you're you know I, I call them lazy hunters. People who just want to hunt off a four wheeler or get just twenty five yards off four wheeler or whatever. You know, you get back in that stuff, man, where them deer want to be, and you get away from all the people too. Yep. So when uh, around here about the fifteenth of September all the bucks are shed so do you when do your bucks normally shed do you have any chance to to chase a velvet buck up there oh yeah yeah that's one that's the reason everybody floods kentucky uh i've noticed like just like this past year velvet hunts were you know being offered some of these outfitters man like i I mean ridiculous prices five six thousand dollars because we can kill them velvet uh my buddy kyle i mentioned a minute ago he actually killed him velvet this year he killed eight point velvet uh the buck I killed, I saw first day of season. I couldn't get a shot off at him, so I let him go. Uh, he was in full velvet that day. Wow. But uh, mm. they shed. They shed about the same time, you know, really just depending. Now, you know, I've seen them shed the second, and I've seen them shed, you know, the 25th, you know, just depending, I guess, on like everything else. Yeah, well, I know a buddy who shot one here in like the 15th of October that was full velvet still. So I think – you know, some bucks are different or maybe don't have the testosterone level, but it seems like 
September 15th, you can pretty well guarantee oh, yeah. that all bucks are shed around us. So. Yeah, that's about the way it is here. You know, you can figure, you know, uh, uh, the one I killed uh, in 2016, he actually, he, he had shed his velvet, but obviously he hadn't been rubbing enough to where he still had a little bit of that dried velvet down and around his bases and stuff. But, yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah. You know, you can figure, like you said, the 15th, this same here, you can figure they're all going to be out of velvet. Yeah, I can see why Kentucky's getting flooded. That's kind of like a bucket list for me. A velvet buck would be real cool. Something different that you don't see all the time. And yeah, to be able to have the chance to hunt them. I mean, to be able to be on them and kill the first first weekend. That that just seems hard to me. Because even if you're on a deer on trail cam, you got to get out there and see what he's doing to be able to really to really kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, like I said this year. You know, I got. The, the buck I killed, uh, he actually came in on opening day, and I wasn't, I mean, I was prepared for him, but I wasn't. Uh, so I made an adjustment, and I knew the next time he showed up that he wasn't leaving there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, he actually taught me, you know, because like you said, I hadn't been out there. I was a trail camera picture, trail camera, but I had it in my mind. I, this is where I need to be, and when he come in, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. So I had to make an adjustment, and uh, I made it, and rest of his history i guess see we'll we'll think we have a buck pretty well locked down and we're like all right you know when he sheds velvet he's still going to stay around and then you know we get to that september 15th 20th range and then it's like cameras kind of shut off for two weeks and then it might be until october 10th to the 15th before we start getting bucks back on cam and then of course they're at night so we're like man dude you know where'd this guy go yeah i noticed uh I noticed really a lot from being in this early season. Uh, you can figure whenever you see the way I figure it is, you, you when you see one starting to shed, and you can tell uh, if he's going to start shedding. Uh, he, he's going to disappear for a couple of days at least. Uh, once for some reason, it just seems to me that way. Uh, he'll disappear for a couple of days while he's shedding. Uh, I don't know if he. From what I heard, it's it's very painful on him. Uh, but, uh, I don't know if he's just laying there, you know, relaxing or what, but I, they seem to disappear for me. Uh, and then you're all being a little bit more North of me, uh, when your nuts start to fall, you know, uh, our early season is great, but when the first acorn falls, it's over. Yeah. Same I mean, here. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, so you might be able to can, kill them on a food plot or a, a cornfield or something but when the acorns start falling you you got to get in the timber because it's just they're not yeah not there and then that's when they go nocturnal on us you know they uh they go from their their summer pattern to their you know fall pattern and i i my opinion as long as the weather's warm you know and i'm not talking you know 90 even 80s but as long as it's it's warmer of a night still they're going to stay on that summer pattern once the weather breaks at night then watch out because that's when they're going to be up moving. Yeah. I think this year was the first year that I seen if you were able to be right where the acorns had fallen, you were going to be in the money. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you weren't literally right where the acorns are falling, I mean, you, you're out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a, and, and I just, I've never been a reader as far as, you know, uh, uh, of articles and stuff on how to hunt or whatever, but, it's just like a human, in my opinion. Uh, there's restaurants that you prefer, and I, I'm sure that there's 
a, a section of timber that's probably better than others. So they probably hit certain sections of timber at different times because of the way the nuts are. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so with, with it being, you know, you were hinting on it earlier, with it being early season, how how are you seeing that the bucks are reacting to that hot weather in, in the early season? Uh, they're very lazy. I mean, really, like we said, uh, you know, they don't move a whole lot. Uh, they try to catch the shade. You know, they, of course, obviously, they're not going to move in the hot of the day. Uh, now, that big buck I killed in 2017, for some unknown reason, he was an afternoon mover. The hot 90, 100-degree day throughout the summer, you could bank on it. He was coming in. I don't know if it's because there's a pond and he was going to water at that time of day and then he would just swing down, you know, and do a little feeding before he went back to bed. Uh I didn't, I didn't pressure him. I stayed away from him because he is so big, was so big. And, uh, so I didn't really learn where he went. I didn't push into the timber real far, but, uh, I, that's just what I assumed. So I just, yeah, I I don't know. And I, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person, you know, I want to stay cool too. So that's just my opinion. Everything is all about them trying to stay cool. Yeah, so maybe hunting next to water where there's food also, or hunting where there's heavy, uh, you know, overgrowth to where there is some shade, to where you think they're yeah. bedded. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, uh, you know, uh, obviously, you know, in the hills here, you know, some places sh- uh, shade earlier than others. You know, uh, I like I like those food plots that that shade earlier in the evening. Uh, you know, they get the morning sun and the afternoon sun, and then they shade earlier in the evening. You know, 6, 7 o'clock, they start getting shade. Uh, I think weather, obviously, you know, controls a lot of what they do in the, in the heat, in the rain. They like to move in the rain because it is cooler, and, and it keeps the bugs off of them. You know, we all seen them blown with flies. Uh, so that rain keeps all that stuff off of them. So they just... Yeah, man, they, what they, do you do with the bugs that early? Oh, I haven't even geez. thinking about that. By October 1st, <laughs> it's a little bad, but most of the time up here, we've had a frost already to kind of wipe out a little bit, but I couldn't imagine September 1st being out. When just, we're hanging stands or cameras, we're like, this is savage No, just here. think when we checked cams, all, all, every cam we had, we yeah. checked it one day. Yeah. Dude, I got scars on my arm. Yeah. Mosquitoes, well, man. That's a little bony arm, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now yeah I, honestly i decided whenever we was going to do this i wasn't going to mention any product names but i will mention this one because it's the only one i know of i use a thermosel i've heard uh, a lot of people I, use yeah. a thermosel i i use a thermosel uh but obviously we all hunt the wind pretty much so the thermosel doesn't affect anything uh that that's what i do and now early season you know uh checking cameras that stuff I try to use that Sawyer's. I get it at Walmart, that Promethean or whatever, how you say it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Promethean or I, that's what I use because I get eat up with chiggers for some reason. I must be sweet. <laughs> you are a pretty sweet guy, John. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, around here, hard bucks about. What September twentieth? Yeah, just go nocturnal yeah. as hell. When are you seeing that your bucks are just 
They're on. They're in the daylight in the morning, in the evening, and then they just are like, ah, I'm going nocturnal. It's like we know they're out of velvet. They'll give us one picture, and then they're gone until like the 10th of October. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, it just depends on pressure. Uh, you know, uh, if they feel pressured, obviously your bigger bucks are going to go nocturnal earlier. Uh, some of them probably live that way, honestly. Uh, but I like I said earlier, I think when the weather breaks – and it starts to cool down some, and they're kind of getting in their mojo, you know, where they're going to move at night. And then if nuts, man, if the nuts are falling, you can bank that summer pattern is going to end quick. Yeah, I could see that. So when we get that early frost, that might coincide with the acorns starting to drop heavy. They're not getting up early to go to the fields because they're staying in the timber the whole mm-hmm. time anyways. Yeah, and that's what I think, you know, uh, most people always in their summer – in, in, their, in their summer ideas, you know, they always want to be in the green because that's, you know, soybean fields. Uh, obviously, they don't eat corn early, uh, but, you know, clover fields, alfalfa. So most all your people are getting pictures in the wide open or seeing them when you're driving down the road because they're out feeding in the, you know. I, I don't know that they actually are going nocturnal, you know, at night or going tonight because of the nuts, but I think it's just because – we're not getting pictures on the green. Yeah. You know, uh, instead of making a move early with your cameras, you know, everybody just leaves them on there because, of course, it is September the 20th and everything's still green. But mm. uh, when the nuts start falling, you know, uh, that's their primary food and they, they, they just live in the timber. I think it's important to bring up that I had a guy at work talking to me and uh, he was – asked me about hunting he was just getting into it you know and he's like well how how much do you hunt and i was telling him that i don't access you know my ground hardly at all or try not to you know and then he was like well how are those bucks so hard to kill they don't even know you're out there and then i tell him well you you can do whatever you you know access you can you do but you can't control what the neighbor's doing so if that buck's been bumped two times in the early season by the neighbor, he's going to be nocturnal whether he is on your piece or not because that's just what he's yeah. used to. So yeah, just pressure, I think that yeah. has a part, like you said, pressure. I think even if you're on your piece with no pressure, you have no idea what the neighbor's doing. You have no idea what the farmers are doing, you know, and stuff like that that would just be like, you know, and I've heard some people say it's the daylight. Once they know it's getting shorter in daylight, then they turn nocturnal. It's like just a a thing that's been bred in them to be like a safety feature, you know, which I could, I could see that too. But I think, like you said, it's pressure and even people that are doing it right and pressuring little, you have no idea what your neighbors are doing, you know? That's exactly right. And, you know, I don't, there's all kind of different ways to pressure. You know, I think, you know, uh, depending on where you hunt, if you hunt out in, you know, in God's country in the wilderness, obviously your deer are going to be more subject to, humans you know they don't want to be around a human they've never been around a human if you hunt more toward a a suburban type area then you know your deer are more used to humans so you could actually go in more uh because or or like even ride a four-wheeler or an atv or suv or uh, a side-by-side or whatever because they're used to those smells yeah they see them all the time and yeah and so i i think you know uh, the piece that i hunted this year i actually would ride my four-wheeler to my camera yeah i, I know a lot of people that do that yeah. yeah i would never step off my camera or off my four-wheeler i would check my camera and i would get out of there and it never affected anything 
but now if I go out to my farm out in the county, uh, you probably better not do that, you yeah. know, because they don't see as many, you know, four wheelers. That's so pressure, you know, obviously mm-hmm. anything has to do with pressure. Just like me and homie, I mean, there's just like, you know, do what they know. We're making a blind out of an auger wagon. I don't know any deer in Illinois that don't know what an auger wagon is. You know what I mean? So yeah, I feel like right. I could, I should be able to pull that thing in there and there's a deer licking it the next day. You know, that's what in my mind is, is what I'm thinking, you know, because they're just so they're in the field all the time. They're so used to seeing them. And I'm hoping when we just pull that in, they're like, Oh, it's just auger wagon, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. And another thing, you know, is, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're going into their home, their home territory. If you walk in your house, and say so you've been gone for a week and there's something wrong or something different in your house, you notice it. Yeah. You know, so no matter if you don't go in, you know, if you don't go in for weeks at a time, if that deer walks through and he's out, I mean, look, something's not right here. You know, this something's changed. So, it, I mean, they're not dumb creatures. People think because you hit them with cars or hit them with trains or, or you know, whatever, that they're a dumb creature, but they're very, very intelligent. Yeah, they know how to survive. They're the kings of that. So, yeah, they're tough. They're tough. So we so. talked a little earlier, and you said that you use topo maps quite a bit to to locate where a buck might be. Um, how do you? How are you doing that? Well, I use a lot of maps. I spend I spend a lot of time looking at maps, uh, and it differ. You know, there's a difference in summer and falls. Uh, in the summer. You know, I'm looking for uh, for places that shade early, uh, places that are cooler. You know, uh, you better just been walking through the woods and all of a sudden it seemed like the temperature dropped 15 degrees and it's like, whoa, you yeah. know. I, I like those type places because obviously if I feel it, they feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, places for like wind tunnels, you know, where a, where a buck can lay and, and get good wind, but he's still, you know, if he's looking over a hill one way and you can't get into him from the other way, you know, obviously he's at the advantage, but the wind will blow him good there. Uh, I look for water on maps, you know, where I can try to find water, uh, creeks, uh, you know, obviously mud holes don't show up on there, but you know, if you see a road, obviously there's going to be a mud hole somewhere in there. Uh, that's what I look for in the summer. Now in the fall of the year, I look at totally different things. I look for more like pinch points or travel corridors, uh, like a lazy point that, that, that drops off the hill, mm-hmm. uh, a hub, what we call a hub is if you're looking at a map, you'll see like a spot. It's like, it looks kind of like a circle, but like, it's like where four hollows, you know, come together Yeah, and it makes like a hub there. And they love those because, you know, if you come in from one direction and one bounce, they can be in a total different part of the country you know, away from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found in the rut in the hills, you know, they really like to travel those because the does like them. Uh, they feel safe there. Uh, low gaps. And I don't know what y'all call them uh, in Illinois, but we call them low gaps or saddles uh, where the hills, like two hollows will come up together. There'll be a big low spot in a ridge line. Mm-hmm. They like to cross those, uh, you know, deer are very lazy animals, really, you know, uh, they're like a cow a big buck is like just an old cow you know obviously they're going to try to take the easiest route they can without spending too much energy Mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff i look for but i do i and i'll mark like uh, the buck i killed this year uh i I actually got him on five different cameras 
so I sat down on a map and I'd write down what time, you know, or market, you know, where he was at at what time. And I would try to figure out, you know, looking at, looking at a line and lay of the land that, man, this is where he's got to be coming from because he's going by this camera first and then this one and then this one. So I, I, I use maps a lot and I use, you know, I, we all have that cell phone apps, you know, uh, I use hunt stand. Obviously there's on X stand. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of different, we ones, use but hunt I use stand. Like, yeah, that's what I used to, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I believe that, uh, you can do a lot of scouting and never enter the woods the first time. Uh, that's how I, I hunt public land, Ohio some, and I don't spend a lot of time scouting over there because I'm not going to take it away from my family. Cause I do so much in the summer here in Kentucky, but that's how I do it. I hunt with maps. I just, what, what I think looks like would be a good place. Then I'll go in there and, and, you know, I've never killed a big buck in Ohio. I should have this year. I let him go. He, he outsmarted me, but, uh, I, I mean, I guessed right. I just didn't finish the deal. Yeah. It's hard to, but, and, and your line of work, I know that you're on call and, you know, you, you could take your layoff days, but after that, you're pretty much, you're there. You know what I mean? Same thing with us. Like people are like, you can't call in sick. I'm like, if I call in sick, I'm going to be so far behind the next day when I get there. You can, yeah. but you can't do it like repeatedly. Mm. You know, it yeah. just, it, it's like your position is so important that you you ha you need to be there. You know, when when yeah, you go on vacation, they're planning people to come in and cover for you. You know what I mean? It's it's that kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I understand you what you're saying. So, it uh I just spend a lot of time look and and that's something you can do at work or, you know, uh, a lot of nights I'll lay uh, in bed, you know, looking at maps, uh trying to figure out. I just try to in my mind, my papa told me one time, and I'll never I never deer hunt, I got the deer hunt with him. Uh, he never deer hunted in his life. He was a big rabbit hunter. And he he was talking about my dad. And he said, your dad reads too much. And uh, I said, he does. He said, yeah. He said, if you want to kill a deer, he said, you have to think like a deer. He said, that's how I rabbit hunt. He said, I'll just be walking and be like, boy, that looks like a good place for a rabbit. And I'll just kick a rabbit out of there, you know. So I, I try to use that mentality too, you know. Uh, if I was... If, if if I was a deer, what would I do? You know, how would I move through this? Or, you know, because it is hot and it is, you know, or obviously chasing ladies, you know, uh, where would I find my ladies? How would I chase them around? You know, so I just try to just try to use common sense more than anything. Yeah. That buck I shot this year, there's one spot in the fence where the, where it's down. And I told homie, I said, deer are going to come right out of the hair. <laughs> He, he he had to hop a six inch fence and he could have hopped anywhere else with more coverage but he just went right there where the fence was down to six inches and came right through yeah they're they're very and you know people don't people don't really take that in consideration but they are very lazy you know uh obviously you know they live on their feet every day so uh, they know you know they know where the easy routes are they're not going to climb up some cliff if they got an easy point just around the corner like you said you knew he was going to come through that fence because it required less effort. Yeah. And then you see a lot of those people on Facebook that they have like a gate opening or something. And they're hunting it or they got a trail camp by it and it's just fire. <laughs> you know, it's just. Oh, yeah. You're like, man, there's just a gate opening in the middle of nowhere and there's deer walking through it during the daylight and stuff. You're like, what? <laughs> that down trees, anything like that. Yeah. You know, a down tree, will, you know, they'll walk around a down tree instead of just hopping over it. 
you know, we all know they can just hop over it. But I asked that you know, question about funneling deer with a trail cam on on Twitter, and I'm going to yeah. try that. We're going to plan a f- plot this year, and I'm going to try to put a food plot or a trail camera on the south side of it where we don't want them to hang out and see if that'll push them to the north where we want them to hang out. Because there's a lot of people on there that said that trail cam would alter their movement. So the bucks move it. So I'm hoping that they veer around that, don't hang on the south side of it, and they come up to the north. Do you yeah. think it'll scare I mean, them before they even get a chance to get to no, the north? No, they were telling me that it, it alter them like 15, 20 feet is what they're seeing. Mm. So I, I I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm up in arms about that. You know, like I said, I don't, I don't read into too much. I try to keep it simple. Uh, you know, I try not to, to get fancy out there because it is a deer. It's a, it's an animal. Uh, now the buck I killed in 2016, uh, was it my trail camera? I don't know, but I honestly thought he was coming from a different direction. And the first time I saw him, it's because he was circling around the backside of my camera. Instead of walking straight in front of it, he would circle around the backside of my camera and come in. Yeah. But I thought he was coming in from the right. He was actually coming in from the left. So was it my camera? I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, the, the big one I killed, uh, it didn't seem to bother him, a camera. Uh, the, the deer I killed this year, it did, the camera didn't seem to bother him. But that's, sometimes I do hang them high. I like to uh, I like to hang them, you know. You know, I'm, all, I'm 5'10". So I'll stand there and I'll just reach my arms up. You know, yeah. how high that is. I mean, I don't even measure, but I, I reach up and, uh, and that's where I hang my camera at. I think that's so a good idea. You know, and I think another thing, I, I think that it helps with theft uh, of your trail cameras because most people are just looking at eye level. Yeah, that's uh, true. Most of your cameras are probably stolen just because, hey, look, there's a trail camera. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, or they're I not supposed to be there and they see it and they're like, well, do I steal the card or I just take the camera? I got to steal yeah. one way or the other, so I might as well just take the camera. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> well, I need that. Yeah. But, uh, so, I mean, you know, it, will it help? I don't know. You know, you can try it. That's the worst thing. Hey, worst thing can happen is it, it doesn't move them the way you want them to. Yeah. And you're going to get a ton you're of pictures. St- you're still going to get a bunch of pictures, but yeah. then. I mean, you're still putting a camera on a plot. My my, my game plan in so my mind. So you're gonna sacrifice two cameras. Yeah. One is like a dummy cam almost. Yeah. What, what if we put a dummy? We we'll put a dummy, a dummy cam there. We got yeah. a dummy cam. Well, I, people don't. That's a good thing we could do. People don't know if it's the flash or the light or what it is. But we got that dummy camera that I got a couple dummy cameras that I put on public just to de- defer people from hunting in an area because they think that it's hunted. But there's literally yeah. no batteries, no nothing in the camera. It's just a blank camera. <laughs> so. Oh, I thought I, I thought you meant it was the camera that Homie used. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it's one I can I'm operate. Sorry. But yeah, the, my game plan is run a camera on one end and then run a scrape on the other and try to draw them to that north. Because I feel like they're going to hang up on that hillside down towards the creek and just feed right there on the edge of that grass and not come up. Yeah, I try, you know, they're coming the beans. I try a lot. Yeah, they're coming the beans, but I feel like they're going to hang up on the south side there. Not yeah, I, get up to I, where... No, I was just saying, you know, you you think they're going to hang down there by the creek where we're going to put the stand yeah. instead of getting up in the actual plot and mm-hmm. getting close to the blind that we're going to have there. Yeah. That's what you think? Mm-hmm. So you're going to put a cam on the south to, draw, to push them? That's my game. I'm going to just game plan, see if it works. 
All right. Well, hey, try like it. I said, you know, and that's something else I, I firmly believe in. People, you know, some of my tactics and stuff, people think I'm crazy. But, you know, I'll try anything. You know, you're really not going to run them off. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's going to run them off is if they see you. Yeah, uh, you know, or you pressure them, but you know, throwing things out there and trying off the wall stuff, you know, uh, I hear peanut butter works. <laughs> oh boy, <Yeah. laughs> you're talking you know? the Southern boys' language on the Snapchat, yeah. bro. When they hear that, they're gonna be like, "Yeah, that's my brother." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, but but I'll throw anything at them. I mean, you know, if I if I think it might give me advantage one minute uh, that I need to take a shot, then then hey, throw me in, buddy, because I'll try. It. Dude, Paul will swear by the peanut butter. Yeah. Some people do. And, and you know, Primo's even makes one called something peanut butter. is got peanut butter in it. Nice. <laughs> uh, so when but, are you seeing, are you seeing a lot of your bucks that you have early season in velvet? Uh, are you seeing when they shed? Are they leaving or are, you know, 50% of them staying around? Or you, do you have a lot of newcomers? Uh, what's that kind of look like for you? Uh, honestly, at the farm, my farm, uh, during the summer, I don't house a lot of bucks for some reason. Uh, I house every lady in the country though. Uh, so they, they I keep the ladies on that farm and truly mid October, watch out because there's going to be a new buck on camera every single day. I mean, the bucks just start hurting and it's crazy. Uh, the pieces I've been hunting have been successful on this, this last couple of years. Uh, really, you know, it, it, they're, they're kind of sticking around. Uh, what's there is there, and they don't travel off very far. Uh, but now, like I said, I've been I've been successful in September. So this past year, you know, by that first October, my cameras were out of the woods. I was done. Yeah, being a one buck state, I mean, I can't imagine. And that, like you said, you're traveling to Ohio and trying to get it done there too. But I was talking to homie about that today. I was like. If you got it done early, that would be, it'd be awesome. You know, it'd be great to be done, but then you'd be at a point where you're like, I got to do something. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you have to hunt the rut. Yeah, I you got to hunt the rut, right? You yeah. know, in 2017, I hunted, I hunted Kentucky without a tag, like without a gun. Just to get out I there, did, you know? I had to be in a stand because I, I like to learn from them. You know, I, I love to run my cameras on video during the rut because I love to catch their sounds and the, and the different things they do. So I, I, I just go out there and hang out and sit in a stand, you know, no tag, no weapon, you know, uh, just go to go. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Just trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. that is pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's just so so much different, you know, the early season and, and the, the late or the mid, you know, whatever you want to call it, the rut part. They're just so much different that, you know, during the rut, obviously your buck's, you know, you may get a buck on camera, uh, on this camera, and then your buddy sends a picture two days later, and he's a mile down the road. Yeah. You know, so I figure the way I've learned it here in the last couple of years is my bucks have been sticking around. Uh, but like I said, I haven't been doing a whole lot during the rut either. So. So we've seen the video of you shooting your giant. That It was 177, right? No, that wasn't my video. That wasn't that deer. I didn't video that one. Oh. Uh, what was that? Was your last season deer? Yeah. Man, went, where'd it go? He, it was pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, I haven't actually officially taped him. He's still with the taxidermist. He's finished. I just haven't picked him up. 
He's between 155 and 160. And uh, my taxidermist says 160. You know, I thought 155. You know, so he's yeah. in that range somewhere. Yeah. Uh, he lacks he lacks point length. I mean, you know, he's got mm-hmm. he, he was over he's, he does have over four inch circumference measurements all the way out, but uh, mm. he just he he's got twelve points, but he just don't have. You got to have it all know. to get up there, man. <laughs> right? I learned yeah, that. I learned have, that. <laughs> you yeah, look at him, you're like ten inch times. You yeah. know, he doesn't have 10, 11 inch times. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he was he was great deer, and I I'd shoot him more. You know. Mm-hmm, uh, for sure but he went that that's the video i sent you where i where i said that i actually watched him nine minutes before i got to shoot that nice that's a hard quarter away shot i shot a yeah. buck like that real hard quarter in a way and you know when you tuck it in behind that rib you're like that thing is just done because there's no yeah. way i didn't hit something yeah you know what i mean yeah so. i you know a lot of people i guess that was before we actually uh, got to know each other on twitter you know a lot of people told me that uh, i took a bad shot there uh I practice that shot. Yeah, I so do we. Yeah, uh, I practice a lot. I mean, you know, uh, during the summer, I do. I mean, I don't. I'm not like these. Some guys go out and shoot 100, 200 arrows a day. You know, I'll go out and shoot 25, 30 arrows in a day, and and then I'll put my bow up and and you know, really, I pay attention to my first one. Yeah, uh, because that's the one that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I practice that. I practice. Uh, I will not shoot a deer quarter into me. It will not happen. I don't care what happens. I don't care if it's the world record. I'm not shooting him quartering to me. So if he gives me a steep quartering away shot or whatever, I just have to take it because that's what I practice. Yeah, I I think uh, a quartering away shot is, to me, is is a better shot than a broadside shot, man. Because you're just you're gonna oh, yeah, you're, you're gonna get hard. in there. And, I mean, a broadside shot. I mean, you could hit high or you could hit you know. If you're quartering away, you're going to get into something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if you're out of a stand, you're going to, and and you're going to get, you go through so much, you know, that there's just, you just do so much carnage in there. The only bad thing about quartering away is you might not get a pass through like you would on another, on a a broadside shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what happened to me this year. That's the reason I backed out. I, I shot him and this is the first year I ever videoed, uh, have some, I have two really good friends, uh, and they're starting to do some video stuff, and they begged me and begged me, and I was like, nah, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I ain't. Anyways, they begged me and badgered me enough to where I was like, i tell you what. I'll do it, but I'm not buying a camera. I'm not buying a camera arm. I'm not doing all that. So they was like, well, we got all that. You just need to video. And I was like, okay. So, I, you know, they, they actually set it all up, and all I had to do was take the camera in and out of the woods. <laughs> nice. But, uh, I got to video it. It was uh, it was a great experience. I, I loved it. Uh, you nailed it for it, your it, first time, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, what I liked the most about it was, like I said, once I shot, uh, I looked at the video on the camera and I knew I hit the deer. I wasn't real sure how good I hit him, so uh, I called my buddy and I was like, "Hey, meet me at the truck. Bring your laptop." Uh, he brought it, and. Uh, we uh, reviewed the footage there, and we could tell that I'd eat the deer up. Uh, so we went back in after that. It was about an hour. Uh, obviously, he didn't make it very far. Now, when you uh, bury to the fletching, you're like, okay, yeah, I got 20 yeah. inches in him. <laughs> I'm good to go. So. Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually shot him just in front of the left hip on the backside. Yeah. And the butcher had to dig my broadhead out of the front right shoulder. Mm-hmm. 
Perfect. Yeah. 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 You always aim for that opposite shoulder when you're, when you're doing that quarter way shot and you know that you're getting there and get both lungs and yeah. And do some carnage. uh, I got, obviously I got a little gut because I hit him so far back. I had to, I got liver, both lungs. Uh, and I just missed the heart. I mean, I just was off the heart. Yeah. So, but you probably, I mean, you tore the arteries to the, from the heart, you know, going through there. So if you get both lungs on a deer, it's over. If you're, I mean, you're shooting any kind of a, a broadhead, even at, you know, an inch and eighth about small as you get. If you shoot that through both lungs, it ain't going far. So, yeah, that's a fact. I mean, you know, that's, but that's, I mean, you know, like I said, that's the first filming experience I'd ever had. And it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. You got a film this year? Uh, yeah, I plan on it. Nice. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, I mean, I'm, I'll never do it. You know, like I said, uh, we've talked before, I'll never do it for, you know, a job. Uh, but I'll do it for me. I, I love it. I'll always have the memory now, mm-hmm. you know, I'll always be able to, I'll always be able to get that SD card out and look at it and go, man, look at that. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can show guys like me and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> smoked him. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man, you know. Yeah. But you got Mr. Freeze on camera, didn't you? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got him. Uh, That's good. We're excited. Homie got all those, homie got all those does on camera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We're excited to release all our film and uh, see what people think. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I've got to, I mean, you know, my, I've mentioned him a couple times, my buddy Kyle. He is amazing with a camera. And, and editing, and, and I mean, you know, uh, actually, he gave up his rut this year in Kentucky, or not Kentucky, but gave up his rut in our area, because uh, he went and filmed for somebody who hunts for Drury Brothers. Nice. I, I think a guy's name was Steve France. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not, not 100% sure on that, but I think that's what it was, and I, I mean, he's just amazing with the camera, so he's going to put all mine together for me. I, I'm not a tech-savvy guy, you know kudos to homie because i'm not tech savvy he's putting in work you know i we uh, we try to break this up 50 50 on the podcast front but he's really took the the film and editing on himself uh yeah props to him man. I, I told him i said i, I want to be there and help you out and he's like well i'm on nights and <laughs> i ain't got a lot to do so i'm gonna just you know go for it i'm like all right and the stuff he's putting out is is really good so it takes a lot of it takes a lot of skill man it takes a lot of patience and skill and and uh you know uh creative imagination that's something i don't have yeah so i can't get creative with that stuff like you know like these guys that just do amazing stuff yeah we got a lot of that we we bounce our ideas back and forth i think i give him too much creative <laughs> and i'm like we got to make this happen right? and he's like that's gonna be a pain in the ass or or i'm <laughs> like you got to switch this i'm kind of a tough critic but he understands that we're trying to make the best possible outcome of what we got. And, yeah. uh, and like I tell him, whatever it is, is what it is, you know? Yeah. So, you all went to Badlands too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Super that, that solid. That probably gave you a lot of ideas. Yeah. That's different. That's kind of a whole nother it, level. It wasn't filming. what I was expecting it was going to be. Yeah. That was more like, that's more like a cinemagraphic, documentary type documentary deal. type story with a lot of voiceover yeah it wasn't like show us your most badass hunt ever it was like i mean there was what some are you super, feeling yeah there were some super badass hunts on there don't get me wrong but uh people really really 
try to get a compelling like feeling story there you know what i mean yeah. which which is good and i actually yeah. really like that better than a lot of hunting yeah shows but i figured it i thought it'd be more deer and less like cinemagraphic pretty shots you know mm. like oh, okay. a lot of slow-mo a lot of time lapses of like sunsets night size a lot of uh, full draw scenes in slow motion, you know, just epic. You know, if you imagine epic films like where you're just like, you just the whole time you're like, yeah, one this, badass shot after another. Yeah, after this badass another. shot, badass shot. I mean, for for that, we can't even compete. Not no. even close. No. Yeah. Someone asked if we're going to put one in <laughs> this year, and I was like, <laughs> you're talking to the wrong guy, man. We need years. We need years of experience to even apply to we're something pod, like that we're podcasters right we're not filmers yeah, yeah. i mean i mean we, i think we're good at and, and it's been drived in our mind that we, we we need to tell a story we need to tell a story you know and i think we're really good at that but our film just needs to catch up to our creative yeah mind we just need to take more time and put it as a priority yeah and, and part of it was is we really didn't know how we wanted to film we yeah. didn't know what our mission was when we started filming this year and we figured it out by the end of the season. So That's next good. year going in, we'll be able to get a lot more shots and think about stuff because it's really hard to reproduce something after the fact. You know what I mean? So oh yeah, we uh, we're we'll be able to figure out kind of the storyline we want to do for something and then go from there. So and we already got and you know we got shots for bucks that we haven't even shot for yet you know what i mean <laughs> we got a piece of ground we got a bunch of shots for for hopefully one of us kills a buck off it next year because it's gonna be epic but right. we just yeah. it's just gonna be stored in the the data bank until we do but so well, that's what you know that's what i enjoyed about it you know uh you know kyle you know kyle done his thing uh you know film you know making food plots you know checking cameras all the stuff that tells the story of of how how you know how it works uh, but uh, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it was a little bit of a challenge, something different for me. You know, I've always never, I mean, I've always just went and climbed in the stand, sat there until, you know, deer comes by. If it don't, you get down, you go home, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it gives me a chance to, you know, spin a camera, you know, uh, film a chipmunk, you know, get you uh, a little whatever. entertainment on the slow days too. Yeah. 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 I, which I didn't have any slow days, you know, uh, honestly, where I hung my stand this year was absolutely the craziest out there. I mean, I was hoping the deer would leave me alone because, <laughs> like, you know, after 45 minutes to an hour of not moving, you know, it's time to move. I, I got to get stretched this leg. I got to do yeah. something. And, then, you know, some of these deer, man, they were just hanging right there. It's like, oh, come on, go, please. You know, so it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, a, it was a very, very humbling, you know, learning lesson for me, too. I, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot watching smaller deer. Uh, it, it is something different for me, and I loved it. I, you know, I would never knock somebody for not doing it. I would never knock somebody for doing it. But uh, everybody should try at least once that filming stuff, and it's it's different. So, with you hunting the early season, are you like a scent control freak, or how are you taking that approach? <laughs> well, you know, we all worry about scent. Well. Well, not all, but you know, most of us, most of us big buck hunters, you know, we do, we, we worry about scent. I, I do. Uh, I'm a very, very big scent lock person. Uh, I actually got my first pair of scent lock way back. I don't even know how old I was. I was probably 15. They were like sweats. 
and they were heavy and they were, I mean, but it worked, you know, and every since then. So, you know, you're looking at 25 years or so. I have every season I, I, I have my scent lock on, uh, I believe in it. People think I'm crazy. That's, you know, just another one of those things. Uh, I I love it. I swear by it. But uh, staying cool, you know, obviously you're going to sweat when it's 90 degrees. Mm. So I use a lot of, uh, you know, like, you know, like spray extent eliminator stuff. Uh, and that's how I keep cool. You know, I'll spray. I might spray 15 times in a set if it's hot because I'll just spray down, you know, my, my head. <clears throat> my upper body around my neck and stuff i spray down and when the wind you know just barely blows it, you know it kind of keeps you cool yeah uh but i i the wind you know i I try to plan everything around which way the wind normally blows that time of year and if the wind's blowing wrong i just i just don't go i mean i just uh, so i am a scent control freak yeah i see i did i've I've always been, I've always known about carbon and how it worked, but I really dug into it that just actually the past couple of weeks when I've been extremely bored on winter coverage at work, but I was reading an article where Sitlock got challenged like uh, 15, 20 years ago and they were in a lawsuit and they sent it to some lab somewhere and I'm probably getting this wrong, but the, the lab found out that there's enough carbon in a Sitlock suit to get 96 to 99 percent of human odor for 24 hours there's 10 times the amount of that so you're good for 240 hours with a scent lock suit is what they're saying and then they went on to say that if you had if you had one if you had one like a coffee can of carbon and you took every molecule and laid it out flat that absorbs that would absorb odor, it'd cover a hundred acres. And I was like, wow. wow. You know, if you, yeah. it, so he's like, if you took one gallon of carbon and spread it out on the ground and then deciphered every piece of carbon out that could absorb odor, it'd cover a hundred acres. I was like, wow. When you think about that, and there's, you know, 10 times what your body can produce in 24 hours in a scent lock suit. So, yeah. yeah the way i way i learned it back in the time you know my dad like I said always oh, read uh you know he thought man he said let's try this you know so we bought it and you know i had a, i don't know he was probably 100 inch you know eight point and he come directly downwind to me and he never even paid no mind to me like i wasn't even there and you know that's when i become a firm believer in it and i've got it i've got it for early season i've got it for you know uh, mid-season i've got it for late season Anything and everything, it's got. I, I'm a I'm a firm believer. And now the last couple of years, I've switched a little bit. Uh, I still wear scent lock, but I also went to merino wool. Uh, I wear merino wool in early season. It's very light. Uh, it dries like a champ. I nice. mean, you know, uh, that's I key in early the, season. Yeah, yeah. I Some of our early sets, I'm just sweating like crazy when we get to the stand. You know. Yeah, I use First Light. Of course, there's a million different, you know, brands. Uh, my wife, I, I, I'm the type of person when I find something, I stay there. I don't jump around. Yep. And I told my wife that I wanted something lightweight, you know, wool kind of keep me warm. And she she bought me a First Light shirt, and I loved it. So uh, you know, I just bought more, you know. Uh, but I sat through a. I mean, I I should have probably got down uh, if my wife knew that I sat through a storm like I did in a tree stand. She would probably kill me. 
Uh, but I, I mean, my tree was leaning, uh, lightning striking, and here I am laying in a tree stand, but, <clears throat> uh, I got soaked, needless to say, and that was this year, and 30 minutes, man, I was like, man, this is cool, I'm dry, you know, the wind started blowing, and I dried out, and so I like it, you know, and it, I wear it during the sun, the hot, the hot time, when I wear I've it. I've heard a lot of good stuff about it, there's a lot of people using it right yeah. now, so, yeah. it's gotta be some good stuff, so. Yeah. But uh, as far as scent, man, in my honest opinion, homie, everything is based on scent. Everything. Got to be, so. All I right, mean, man. Know, We're going to have to wrap this up, that. dude. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, before we wrap this up, I'm telling this story because I know you want to know it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, bring it. The, the buck I killed in 2009 or 2017 like I told you earlier, I found him in December. Uh, he was about 160 or 165 inches. I didn't get his other side. So the side I have was uh, was 87 inches, I think. Uh, he's 14 and a half inches wide. You know, calculate that in and give him some on the other side. He was around 160-ish, you know, anyways. Uh I found him, you know, I tried to keep him close. I mean, I fed him apples, I fed him carrots, I, anything that I thought that you might keep him around. But I got a, a ton of pictures of him. You've seen a bunch. And he had a hole in one of his ears. And it looked, on camera, it looked like, it looked like a bullet hole. So I started calling him close call. You know, because if that was a bullet hole, then obviously somebody shot at him and he had a close call with them. Uh, I don't name my deer very often, but that one just made sense to me. So that's what I called him. So anyways, I kept up with him religiously. I mean, I knew his every movement. I love, I just, every time the the camera, you know, triggered, I was, I had to know, you know, so our season come in early September last year or set 2017 and Two days before that, I mean, I had him daylighting on camera two days before season came in, and I knew then I was going to kill my first booner opening day. Just knew it. So I got on Twitter, you know, and uh, I asked a question, you know, because I didn't. I actually may have been Facebook. Anyways, it don't matter. But I asked a question because I'd never experienced it. How do you get a buck out of the woods in velvet? Because when I drag one, I just drag him with his antlers. Yeah. How how am I going to get his horse out of the woods? Because he was a horse. How am I going to get him out of the woods? Well, people started making fun of me. So I just kind of just whatever, you know. I knew exactly. I knew in my mind that I was killing him opening day. No questions asked. Opening evening, I was still on my tag. So I had everything prepared. I took off work. Opening evening came. I was in, you know, uh, I was in a blind. I was in a blind hunt again. And he never came. So I thought, well, you know, so second day of season, he never came. He disappeared. So I thought, well, in my mind, I thought, well, he's shedding his velvet. You know, he'll be back in a couple of days. And when he came back, you know, it was probably, you know, a few, I don't know, five, six days later, he was nocturnal on me. He'd started moving at night. And I thought, now what am I going to do? You know, so I, anyways, I continued to hunt him there a little bit. And on September the 14th, I was there. And he disappeared. He was gone. I mean, like, I never saw him. And he just plumb disappeared. Never come in at night. Never on my cameras. Never nothing. And I thought, uh-oh. You know, a deer like that, 
obviously maybe somebody poached him, you know, maybe he got hit by a car, maybe anything, you know. Maybe he decided to go back where he came from. So I have a, I, you know, I had I have a cell phone camera. It's the only one I ever owned. I had it there set up, and I had uh, my son at football practice on September the twenty sixth, and my phone dinged four o'clock in the afternoon, middle of the evening. My phone dinged, so I pull it out, and I look at it, and there he stands. And I thought, uh oh, here's my one chance to get him in the daylight, and here I am at football practice, you know. So I thought, you know, it turned me back on to him because I'd quit hunting. I just completely quit hunting because he hadn't even showed up on camera. And uh, September the 27th, I hunted. The 28th, I hunted. Nothing. So <clears throat> the 29th, I, I told my wife, my wife and I were planning on going out that evening. And I, the weather just all of a sudden, there was a big cool front moved in. And the weather dropped that day down into the 60s. And I learned something from my deer in 2016. The day before I killed him, I was walking in and I saw him fighting. He was actually fighting underneath an apple tree on September the 14th or whatever day it was. And uh, I thought, you know, there's got to be something. If he's going to fight, obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to peck around in dominance. You know, obviously they weren't having that a big old brawl, but uh, he was, you know, tinkling around there. So I took a set of antlers with me on September 29th. I told my wife, I said, I'm just going to get in a stand for, you know, a couple hours. I promise I'll come out. Well, I texted her while I was there, and I was like, dude, this is so evening. This is the perfect evening. It's so quiet, so cool. And I was like, you know, this is so awesome. So I get my antlers out uh, after she gave me permission to stay. She's like, it's okay if you stay. I won't get mad. So I got my antlers out about 6.15 or so, and I just tinkled them together, just barely tinkled them together. And uh, about 6.30, I heard a what sounded like a human coughing. I mean, it's what it sounded like. It was like, Bleh! you know, and I was like, what in the world? And I thought, well, maybe somebody's roaming the hills. You know, they've run my day. I'll just go out to wife, whatever. And about 10 minutes later or so, it was about 6.40, I had a spot come off the hill and he was coming right at me and he come on out into the open and I could see back in the timber and here come another little buck. He was a little eight point. And I just got to focusing in that area and uh, I seen I seen that deer drop his head. He dropped his head and he picked it up and I knew at that second the deer I've been waiting for was, was headed right at me. And he come out 18 yards and swung around and gave me a, a you know quarter and away shot too, and I shot. Obviously, I killed him. Uh, I went and found him, and he somebody poached tried to poach him. He'd been shot in the top shoulders, or top front shoulders. Uh, so obviously, the reason he disappeared on me is because he was licking his wounds. He was trying to heal his body because yeah, somebody shot him with a small caliber rifle. And, uh, anyways, it cost me my cape. I had to get a whole new cape because of it. But, uh, oh, you know, wow. I got lucky that, that they, uh, obviously didn't, they weren't lucky, but, uh, you know, that's just, that's what I was telling you, man. It's just, that's how easy it is. It, it's so easy to lose a big deer like that because people are so jealous and they want to hunt. And I think actually I got the, the, the gunshot. I think I got it on camera because I got a little small buck on camera on video 
and you can hear a gunshot. Wow, really? Yeah, and I, I mean that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, but, uh, you know, somebody tried to poach him, man. That's uh, I mean, when I found him, you know, I found the wound, and and oh, of course, I took him to the butcher and stuff. But uh, my taxidermist looked it all over, and that's what it was. Somebody tried to poach him. Yeah, I've lost three really solid bucks the last three years, and they're always close to the road or you know right on the edge of my property i'm like man why are these deer just keep dying <laughs> they're like really solid three four year olds you know i'm like i don't but that's what i keep thinking is someone either wounds them or someone because that road my lease is on not yeah. a highly traveled not a high, highly traveled no. road it's gravel for <laughs> you know eight miles each direction so i don't i don't know and there's really no houses if mm-hmm. there was one out there in that field i mean it so i could just see them shooting them and well back. what i figure of course you know we're still in september i killed him on september 29th 2017 there's no gun season even close you know yeah our gun season doesn't come in until november uh so i think either a squirrel hunter jumped him up or saw him and shot him you know with a 22 or somebody just tried to shoot him from the road or whatever mm-hmm. i mean he, he had 18 scoreable points and he scored 177 seven eighths yeah, that's a giant, man. Yeah. At 14 and a half inches wide. Wow. <laughs> a lot of scoreable points. Right. A lot of stuff going on in there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it is. But I, I told you I had a story about him, that, you know, but it's the the whole the whole point of the story is, you know, he was he was almost poached. I almost never got my chance. Yeah. Yeah. You never know with them like, Mr. Freeze this year, the neighbors were just shooting up a storm, oh, and then two of them were like, yeah, we missed, one said I missed a giant, one said I missed a legend. I was like, oh, what's a legend? <laughs> yeah, that was that was Friday. Yeah. I was, Friday after yeah. morning hunt. Like, I, oh, missed yeah, I missed a legend. I'm like, oh, 192. God. 192, ain't that what Mr. Freeze scored? Yeah. Yeah, that's a legend, brother. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> man, they might they might have missed that deer. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they're like, I missed a legend. I'm like, oh, God. You're on the wrong side of the fence, brother. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I love it. You know, I, that my point. If I had to tell somebody today how to hunt, I would tell them keep secrets. Yeah, that's a good. I keep secrets. No one I mean, knew that, about that deer really. I mean, a few people did, but no one that was hunting around me. And then even yeah. after I shot it, people were like whoa, you know, where'd you shoot that? We ain't got no trail cam pictures or him or whatever. You know, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) People were blown away by that. I'm like, I don't know. He was there. That's my biggest. I was hunting. So, And that's, you know, you got to keep secrets because, you know, I mean, you know, even your buddies will, I mean, you know, you you think are your buddies will, they'll come right in on top of you for a deer like that. Yeah, tell me about it. Homie was out there hunting all year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing he ain't very good at it. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> right? We'd have had a whole mess of worms. Oh. <laughs> it's a good thing he's technology guy. Yeah. That's the only reason I'm getting kept around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to produce these videos for him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I got to erase the high fence in the background. Yeah. It, you know, I don't know who all listens to these, you know, or whatever. I never really listened to a whole lot of podcasts before, you know, three or four months ago. I still don't want to listen to two. <laughs> this is one of them. But, uh, hey, man, you all do a wonderful job. I love listening to it because it's a joke, you know, a lot of times. But there's serious information in it or serious talks. and But it's a lot of joke, and I love it. 
Yeah, ninety uh, percent of the time it's a joke. <laughs> We've actually yeah. been called out and said this podcast is a joke. <laughs> it was so yeah. awesome. I mean, you know, it's it's yeah. a lot of fun to listen to, and y'all do y'all do a wonderful job, really. Thanks, man. We try to keep it light, give a little intel, and if we're not having fun, no one listening is going to have no. fun. You no. know, what I mean, that's yeah. the way we look at it, and really. We're spending our time doing this, and it's fun to us. If this wasn't fun, we wouldn't be doing it, you know, because right. the trade-off isn't that great. <laughs> you know I mean? We get to meet guys like you. It's a great part, yeah. you know what I mean, and become friends. So, Yeah, and then you have fun, you know, and that's the fun. Like you said, that's the fun part. It's, you know, but y'all do. Y'all have a good one. I, I enjoy it. I like the ATA, you know, driving and you know, homie not learning how to drive. And, yeah, you know, yeah. about killed us twice. Once yeah. looking in the ditch on the way there, and then once we got sideways on a bridge. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, I do drive a Dodge, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Too much power. Yeah. <laughs> if the Chevy with my tires, we wouldn't have slipped one one time. We'd have had it been in four-wheel drive. I'll tell you that. Dodge was two-wheel all the way. But, yeah. I mean, you know, y'all do y'all do a great job. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for following us. Thanks for following us on Snapchat and Twitter and all of it. We have a good time, and I'm gonna keep yeah, pounding Twitter I and <laughs> keep. I think I have you on every platform. Heck yes, <laughs> yes. I gotta, I gotta know what my John's doing, man. That's I, I get my connection with my friends. I'm like, oh, John ain't commented today. What is he doing? You know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like, where is this guy? Yeah. He must be grounded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't put his two cents on, on my post. I don't know what's going on. So, a matter of fact, I think I even got on you for not posting quick enough. Yeah, he did. Yeah. My, uh, my schedule app is broken. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to post every day like a normal Twitter person. <laughs> yeah. I told him, I said, you're just going to have to go on there and post it. I had to, I had I didn't to post know today. You could do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. so. But yeah, uh, it's been great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's been a good time, man. Thanks for coming on. I think we spread a lot of early season knowledge, had yeah. a lot of fun. And uh, if you guys want to follow someone, this is a good guy to follow. What's your your Twitter your Twitter handle? Uh, which one's that? Is that just my name? Yeah, is it? Yeah. No, it's at JWD. <laughs> no, yeah, JWD. Yeah, JDW. Yeah. Nine two seven eight. Nine two seven. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. It's hilarious. Uh, if you're if you want to get into the Snapchat group, that's a high priority group, man. <laughs> I don't know how many people we can add on that. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't know if I can handle anymore. <laughs> so if you're in there, you better be yeah. holding, doing your part to hold your key. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we appreciate you, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Anytime. Yeah. All right, man. John's got it going on. He knows what he's doing early season. Uh, the guy knows how to crack a joke. Yes. Um, he's savage. He seems nice, but he's got a savage side, which he we does. really like. Um, yeah, follow him on Twitter. Uh, he he puts his Twitter handle in here in the episode. Uh, definite guy. He's always spreading knowledge and, and telling jokes and having a good time. Um, he's also on Facebook, I think, yep. and he's in our Snapchat group. So, um if you guys want it on that, you have to have to give us a message and see. It's a pretty elite group of uh, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> I but, don't either. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I know I had a fun time recording it. So yeah, you know, 
uh, get out there. You can't hunt, so I can't say that anymore. But, you know, get out there and shed hunt and uh, take your kids with and try to leave a legacy and whitetail legacies out. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.